J.T. Crowley is Talking Books. On this show, you'll hear from emerging talent and seasoned veterans from around the world. They'll give you their take on the writing process and how to create the secret sauce of page-turning deliciousness. Let's get into that magical mixture of the art and science of creativity. Here's J.T. Crowley, author of The Smart Kids and your podcast host. Hello, I'm J.T. Crowley and I'm delighted to welcome back cricket roman, American author, presently living in California. The first time Cricket came on the show, we talked about her McAllister Brothers series and her standalone book, Saving Madeline, which I absolutely loved because the character in there, Roxy, everybody, was really um, Cricket herself, an out-of-work author, I mean, out-of-work actor. Um, But this time, we're not going to do the McAllister Brothers. We're going to talk about another series that Cricket has written, And this one is called the Fantasy Maker series. And in this series, there are three books. There's Winter's Blush, there's Autumn's Ghost, and there's Summer's Island. So most of the settings of the book, like in her other books and other series, they come from places that are so familiar to her, right from her childhood days to the present day. And when her childhood days, we're talking back in um, Est Park in Colorado, that beautiful part of the world. And when you look at the books, again, in this series of the uh, Fantasy Maker, there is an animal in each book, uh, particularly horses and dogs, because horses and dogs, that is cricket Roman, everybody. She's horses mad. <laughs> she admits it. However, there is one species of creatures Cricket has described she's had an on-and-off relationship with, and that's hawks. Mm. And you might be wondering, well, why has she had this on-off relationship with hawks? Well, go and have a look at the written introduction, and you'll see the reason why there. And I'm not going to say here. Cricket has done a variety of things in her life, acting, singing. And in fact, one of her standalone books, I've already mentioned, Saving Madeline, one of the main characters there was Roxy, who was an out-of-work actor struggling to support herself and having to cope with the harsh rejections of that profession. And the character of Roxy was pretty much based on Cricket. It really was everybody. But Cricket has always maintained a voracious appetite for reading and writing throughout her life, hence all her books she's written. But as I've already said, this podcast is all about the three books in the Fantasy Maker series, Winter's Blush, Autumn's Ghost, and Summer's Island. So let's welcome her back again onto my show to talk about this fabulous Fantasy Maker series. Who is the Fantasy Maker? I don't know. And you know what? I don't think Cricket knows either at the moment who the Fantasy Maker is. Cricket, come and join me. Hi, John. (laughs) What a wonderful introduction. Thank you so much. I had a ball writing this series. It's just pure fun. I had a ball reading them. (laughs) And it's good to have you back on the show. 
after the McAllister Brothers series. It's great. It's great to be here. It's been a while. And uh... I when we did the last one. Um, I think it was beginning of this year. But yeah, I like the character Roxy in Saving Madeline, but we're not here for that one. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have my favorite, everybody, in this uh, Fantasy Maker series, and I'm not going to tell you. That will be, <laughs> be leading you up the garden path. <laughs> so, Cricket, a lover of writing series, aren't you? Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. The last time we chatted about your McAllister Brothers series with Troy and Tracy, and here you are with another series, the Fantasy Maker series, to which there are three books. Currently making up that series, Winter's Blush, Autumn's Ghost, and Summer Islands. And no doubt, knowing you, there'll be a fourth one coming soon, and I'll ask you about that later. But first, Cricket, I just want to ask, before we get really get into these books, is... Where did you get this imaginary concept behind the Fantasy Maker series? And do you know who the Fantasy Maker is? What gender? What anything like that? Who they are? Well, John, you just asked me a lot there. <laughs> um, to be honest, I after writing several lengthy series with lengthy books, I needed a little break and I wanted to just write something fun that was a little bit shorter. And um, actually, at first, they were going to be short stories, but then they kind of just went on and on and <laughs> got longer. But they're still, I would I would still call them sort of long novellas. But they were fun. It was just pure fun doing it. And I, and I, and I think the stories became something that um, I wished for in my life and didn't have it. But now I have it in a book. So why Fantasy Maker? Well, Where did because, this come from? Um, I'm actually not sure, except I didn't know how else to create such wonderful experiences for worthy people uh, without someone with a lot of power and money or something with power and money. I wasn't sure. So um, the name of the series came up, came not prior to the first writing, but during it. Mm. I want to go uh, cricket to uh, winter's blush. Now I love this book. Here we have Wynn, a care worker from Yuma in Arizona. She's 20. She's very protective parents. And we've got the character Claire, her escort, a dashing, handsome, uh, lean guy from a farming background from the Midwest. Wynne starts out as quite a shy character, doesn't she? Um, and she wins uh, this fancy maker's vacation holiday to Denver. And she lies to her parents where she's going for they're quite, as I said, they're quite protective, almost suffocating. And this is an all-inclusive luxury expedition for Wynn, and it's coming up to Christmas. Denver is cold with deep snow all around. And towards the end of the book, she turns out to be quite a dominant lady. So she goes from quite shy, but it's quite dominant. 
Tell us, um, Cricket, your thinking behind Wynn's character and why did you place the scenes in Yuma, Arizona and especially Denver, Colorado? I know why, (laughs) but I want you to tell the listeners and the viewers why. Okay. Well, I really do like to um, write about, for the most part, areas that I'm familiar with. And I'm familiar with Denver, having grown up in Estes Park, Colorado. And um, I have a friend that grew up in Yuma, Arizona. And every time I drive from from Southern um, Arizona to California, I go through Yuma, Arizona, and it's it's uh, <laughs> it's it's quite a little town in the middle of the desert. And um, I just thought it was a perfect location for this this young woman who who. Is a she's a sweetheart and she works in a she helps out in a nursing home and takes care of people so she's quite the caregiver and but she's never been out she's never left Yuma Arizona and I and I couldn't imagine that but I I tried to imagine that and I thought this this is this is a gal that really needs <laughs> a fantasy vacation she's also never seen snow in her entire lifetime so I wanted to give her that. Uh, as I said, yes, of course, Denver, because you're very familiar with Denver. And of course, the um, the Rocky Mountains, the snow there. So it's, it's a Christmas scene, everybody. This story is setting with Christmas looming. And now let's, so yes, you've got Wynne. She's one of the characters there. She's a care worker and um, she lies, you know, doesn't tell her parents where she's going to. And so here she is. She flies up to Denver for a five-day vocation, which is an absolute luxury vocation. Everything is all thrown in. And you've got the other character here, Clay. Now, Clay is an escort. He's the other main character in Winter's Blush. And when you read the book, everyone, you'll see where um, the book's title comes from. I'm not going to tell you why or where it comes from, you need to read the book. But once you read it, you'll soon realise why it's called Winter's Blush. But let's talk uh, cricket about Clay and his storyline. Now, you start to... this His storyline really does come in in the second part of the book. And when I was reading the book, I was quite surprised because I thought there's only going to be one fantasy maker's vacation, you know, dream. But there's two in the book because there's clays as well. How did you create clay? Why did you give him that vocation? Well, <laughs> clay is, um, you know, clay has issues with his family too, as probably most people have a few issues like that. And um, he he's a very good guy, although Wynn does not get to see the real clay like you said, until later in the book. I mean, she, she's seeing physically Clay and he's, and he's doing his, he's doing his job really well. Um, but he's having to be someone that he isn't. And, uh, so he has his, he has his problems. She has hers. And, uh, there's a little confusion there between the two of them as they try to understand each other better. Um, but they do their, their relationship grows slowly over the month of December. And, uh, the truth, all the truth comes out. You know, because, 
Yes, clay has to stick to an itinerary. That's the job, being the escort. He takes her out shopping. He takes her out to the restaurants, takes her off to the theatres. That's his job. And he gets in return something, doesn't he? But we're not going to go too much into that. Did you enjoy creating clay? I certainly enjoyed reading about him. Oh, absolutely. I, I have to... I have to love my main characters. I don't have to love the villains. I have to like their badness, but <laughs> I don't love them at all. Um, but yeah, Clay and Wynn are just wonderful and, and kind of meant for each other, actually. Hmm. I think I agree with you there. But, you know, when I look, Cricket, at the books, you know, most of them, there's two storylines there are two fantasies settings in each one, pretty much, and they're wonderfully interwoven, everybody. But you really do tease the readers, Cricket, with a sprinkling of sexual romance um, tension. Does it happen? Doesn't it happen? Is it going to happen? You do tease us. <laughs> and within all the books, there is an animal. Now, in this book... You have a dog, don't you? Yes. Lucky. Who comes in? Why the romance in the in the stories, and why the relevance of an animal? Tell us. Well, I think when the right male and female are introduced no matter what the situation is, uh, romance develops. And I think deep down, most people want romance in their life. <laughs> we, we don't all have it, but I think most people want it. And uh, when it can happen, it's wonderful. Um, some paths toward it are different than others. And, and uh, but romance, I, romance is wonderful. I, I just, I love it. And, I think there's even if even if a book isn't considered in the romance genre, if there are males and females in the book, there's probably going to be a little romance going on. Um, your males, your males ought to be or handsome, lean, and I'm thinking, yeah, I think she fancies these um, characters herself. <laughs> that's why she puts them in. <laughs> yeah, that's good, John. That's good. And uh, hey, it's. My fantasy life, you know, <laughs> a writer can do that. Um, so, in this book, you put Lucky. What breed is Lucky? Do you know, or is he just a dog? But he's he's put in a situation that could be. And there's a twist in this book here, you know, up in the mountains there, just the two of them and the dog, and something happens, and Lucky really does that for me saves the day. Oh, absolutely. Um, I I love I love dogs too, and um, you know when I this, I'm going back a little bit, but in the McAllister series, there was a dog named Odie, and he he was my my red speckled healer Charlie actually, and I and I and that character was from a real from a real dog, um, and um, that dog died when I was writing that story. <laughs> But anyway, it just, it's just, I don't know. I love dogs and I love what they do for people. 
It's amazing what they do for people. I think they do more for the humans than the humans do for the dogs in most cases. But oh, I, agree. Um, I, I I love them. They're they're they just add a. I just have to have a good animal in every story. Mm. I remember the story in Saving Madeline. There was a dog there. It's called Tonic, and one of the characters, he, his bot, his owner was called Gin. <laughs> the owner was called Gin. Everybody in the dog was called Tonic. Work it out, Gin and Tonic. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Now, when I look at the books, each one is, you know, the characters and the story within each of one of these books um, is, is separate. So, but, but having said that, in all of these books, there is the character Martin and the fantasy maker. They run throughout all the books. Tell us about the character Martin. Um, you know, he's because he, he's what working for this mythical fantasy maker you've created. But he is in all the books. He runs through the whole stories. Tell us about Martin, the character. Well, Martin is a man. He's a very, he's a large man, and he's a wonderful man. And yes, he does work with or for this entity I refer to as the fantasy maker, because there needed to be some kind of go-between that could actually interact if necessary. So that's where he comes in. He doesn't play huge parts, but he plays a very important part because the fantasies never go quite as planned. They don't. (laughs) Uh, No, unexpected events pop up that need a little, uh, a little tweaking, rescuing things to, uh, get things back on track. So he has a very necessary, very interesting position. And um, most of the time that the recipients of their, their fantasy vacations aren't aware of, of that, of his connection um, only a little bit and, and towards the, towards the ends, but he's, uh, he's a good guy. Very helpful. He's, he's a, he, he's a magic man. He can fix anything. He lurks in the background, everybody. He's watching from afar but watching very near. Let's turn uh, now, Cricket, to Autumn's ghost. And here again, we have two main characters, Autumn, a 22-year-old woman uh, from an exceptionally wealthy family in Florida with, again, very highly overprotective parents, almost overbearing again, who is a, she's a member of a book club and whose members hear about the fantasy makers' vacations and put Autumn's name forward. And we have the character Ranger here, Ranger Lee, um, from, you know, who works in the forest, uh, the uh, White Mountains National Park in New Hampshire as a pilot, pilot service. Why this book... Why are you taking us into autumn and why the setting in New Hampshire? Okay. Well, I think I have an answer for that. All right. um, <laughs> the, um, I spent uh, a number of years, especially when two of my four sons were born in New England. So I was very familiar with um, Northern Massachusetts and New Hampshire. And I so miss that area in the fall. It is just, it's a storybook area. I mean, all the pictures you ever see of the, of the little white church 
surrounded by all these red and golden leaves and everything. It just, it's, it's really like that. <laughs> and I miss it. So I thought, well, you know, that's, that's where I do, I do kind of pick my location first. And, and I, and I did want to do a fall story. So, uh, that, that's why I use, use that location because I love it so much. And it was fun to, it was fun to get my head back there and, and, and think about all the good things that were, that were in that area. And, uh, that, that's why. You know, why did you give, you know, Autumn the, the characters? And I was she's in the book club, but she's gone up to, um, you know, New Hampshire. You know, she, she's given a camera and to take lots of photos as hopefully to be, you know, develop a, a photography career, doesn't she? Yes, that is what she, you know, that was her dream. She wants to make yeah. a career out of, out of photography or photojournalism, something like that. And this was just the a chance of the lifetime, but she was pretty sure her parents wouldn't let her go off anywhere by herself other than the book club. Because when you have the, you know, we're in New Hampshire, the scene is set at Sugar Lane Inn. Now, of course, um, even the journey up from Florida to New Hampshire doesn't go according to plan, does it? <laughs> and that's where Ranger comes in, everybody. Hmm. So why did you choose, you know, a character like Autumn, um, a wealthy girl, and then a not-so-wealthy, you know, out of town guy, you know, lives, you know, in the wilds of the forest, you know, Ranger Lee. Did you think there was two characters were going to work? Or did you want um, really to work? Yeah. I didn't know how it would work, but I knew it was going to work somehow. Um, although he's not, you know, he's, he didn't win a fantasy vacation. He just was a guy in the right or wrong place at the right or wrong time, depending upon how you look at it. But yeah, he was he was where he needed to be and to help her. And he was he's a very kind man, a very hardworking man. And uh I also think he's a very lonely man. He lives in this little cabin in the middle of the of the forest and as though he though he loves that and, and I love that too. Um I think I think he needs her. And she definitely needs him. And again, you create this handsome, lean guy, don't you? <laughs> yeah. <She does> <laughs> everyone. I think I think cricket fancies these male characters more than the characters in the books fancy. <laughs> <laughs> um, because yeah, and so in this book, tell us about the the twist with Ranger. You know. Something happens to him, doesn't it, from a, a distant relative? Without oh, giving yeah. too much of the game away here. Yeah. Um, yeah, we don't want to give too much away. Because we don't. It's, you know, it's, it's somewhat it's fall. It's, it's Halloween's approaching, and, and, and he's inherited a property. He has. And there are... There are uh, stipulations, uh, requirements in order for him to actually have the property. And it's all kind of Halloween-y. There is. 
And there is a, a character in the book. Um, you've got the character Fanny. Uh, now, she doesn't exactly play ball, does she? <laughs> oh, she plays. <laughs> she plays. She does. But uh, yeah, inappropriately, for sure. And yet in this book, we don't have a dog. We have a horse. Don't we? Yes, we do. We have a very special horse. Tell us about and, the horse. And and a canine, though. Not a dog, but a, sort mm-hmm. of a canine. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us why you put the horse there. <laughs> because I put horses there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I had to... I had to create a way for her to escape when she needed to escape. And she, and she's, she's, she's really out for the first time in her life. And she wants to experience so much that she hasn't experienced in her, her wealthy life. You know, that's a whole different kind of life. She loves this, this being out in the forest, um, being away from the city life, uh, just the, the, the smells, the, the, just, everything about fallen New Hampshire visually and tactically and just everything. And, uh, you know, they're the horse is part of the plot. <laughs> and of course that's what she, you know, when, um, you know, autumn needs the horse to go, doesn't she out of the storyline to start with. Um, and of course the house, well, I'm not going to give it all away here, everybody, but it has to be set in a certain way for Halloween for a story to happen. And I'm not saying any more because Cricket will get cross with me if I actually give the cross <laughs> away. I know. Um, did you enjoy, and, you know, and again, you've got the character Martin and he's lurking in the background. He's making sure the fantasies are followed through to the letter. Um, do you enjoy writing these books? Do you enjoy creating these characters? Oh gosh, you know what? I can't imagine my life without doing this. Although I started the the, the actual novel writing fairly late in my life, I, I just can't imagine it. I mean, it's it's. I am thrilled every morning to come into my office and sit at my desk and and. Uh, you know, keep going where I started from. I did, writing is not easy for me though. Um, of course I enjoy challenges too. So I guess maybe that's, that's part of it, but I don't know. I just, I just, I just love it. I love, I love being creative. I love thinking about, um, the characters and, and you know, what, What's the what's the worst thing that could happen to them? <laughs> you put what's a character called Fanny in the uh, in the storyline. Now I like the character Fanny, but she is she's got a bit of an axe to grind, everybody. And I'm saying no more. Um, let's go to and I know I'm skipping through the books here, everybody, but there are three books to get through in this podcast. And the whole idea, as I say, every time everybody is to, it's not to give the game away, it's just to give a flavour of what the, the books or the books are about. So let's go to um, Summer's Island Cricket. And again, you've got two main characters, J.D. Middleton, a young workaholic, 
uh, Gormashev, who, along with his friends, uh, Ben, Ralph, and Chuck, respond to an advert from the fantasy maker, looking for a few good men. Hmm. Um, JD's fantasy would be to live on a deserted island in the middle of the ocean uh, by himself. But does Cricket do that? No, she doesn't. She muddies the waters here, everybody. And we've also got the other character, Summer. Now, Summer is a part-time teaching assistant, and she's a swimming coach, after-school swimming coach for the kids. And it's summer vacation, and well, she doesn't get paid during the summer holiday, so she's looking for somehow to earn a little bit of money. And up pops this uh, little adventure from the fantasy maker. So here we've got the two characters on Micronesian Island. Tell us about this book. Where did you pluck this idea from? Well, I've discovered actually halfway through writing a book, how much maybe, and you've mentioned this before too, how much I've influenced myself with myself. <laughs> and Ooh, she um, has everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so this one, like I said, I, I kind of pick the, I kind of look for a setting where I, I want to be first. And then I figure out how I can put it together. And the, the fantasy maker did give um, JD a fantasy, not quite what he was looking for. No. Um, he, did get, he did get to be by, on an island by the ocean but there was nothing else there. I mean, there was there was no hotel. There was no nothing. He is there alone, and he really has to learn how to survive. And survival is a theme that that I've uh, dealt with on quite a few occasions in my life. Um, I remember walking on the beach with my dad way far down in Mexico one time, and there's you know we were the only ones there, and he's looking around and he's saying, you know. Wonder if we could survive right here if we had to. And then that led to a discussion, and he's telling me, well, we could eat this and we might be able to eat that. I don't know. But you know, anyway, so we had survive. My dad was a survivalist. He really, he was a Boy Scout. He, I was one of the only kids that had a bomb shelter uh, many decades ago. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's another story, I guess. <laughs> Maybe. But so um, survival was a theme in my life, and and near drowning was a theme in my life too. So there is a scene about that there also. There but, it is. Mm. But summer, um, you know, summer's got a job to do. He's on a vacation, which is a, turns out to be a frightening vacation in a way, and she has a job to do. Yeah, because this is a beach scene and, you know, you've got the beach, you've got the blue ocean and you've got the jungle behind it, which they venture into. And not that Summer's too pleased about that. Um, and again, you know, yes, we have a very bad storm, which, you know, delays, you know, um, JD from getting back off the island. So that doesn't go according to plan. And of course, we've got noodles, the dog, who turns <laughs> up from the middle of nowhere, which I found fascinating. So there they are on the desert island, and a dog appears up from nowhere in the middle of the sea. 
Yeah, they go and rescue him. Where did that little idea come from? <laughs> well, I had to really struggle for that because I've, I've promised my readers there will be a, a dog or something like a dog um, in every one of my books. So I'm thinking, oh, wow, this is going to be hard. And it was hard. And I had to go back and change some of the things earlier in the book to make make the dog's appearance sort of maybe make sense. Um, and I think I think it does. And and uh, and I love this dog, too. <laughs> mm. And again, you you know, throughout the book, you tease us with, is there going to be a, a relationship here? Is there not? Is there going to be a love scene? And, you know, you've really got to join the dots together to work this out, everybody. So, again, you're teasing us, aren't you, here? Well, if that's what makes people turn the pages, right, and keep reading. And, and uh, you know, I, I like... My readers are very are intelligent people, and I but I want them to have fun reading my books, but I want them also to think reading my books. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to give the game away, everybody. Is there sex on the beach? I'm saying <laughs> nothing. Shh. Hmm. You know, and I have to say. Throughout all of your books in this series, yes, you've got the tantalizing, teasing, with, you know, is there going to be a relationship or not? And you've got your animals and you've got these fantasy vocations. And again, Martin comes in here to put this, because it goes drastically wrong, to put this back together, doesn't he? Again, he's in the sidelines but he's important. Absolutely. Um, Now, without giving too much away, what did he do in this book? Well, primarily he, um, he communicates with the, the entity we call the fantasy maker for now. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and things went wrong. I mean, it was a, a tsunami occurred, which no one had planned on, obviously. And, uh, Things went very wrong. So they had to make it right because they couldn't ruin the reputation of the fantasy maker. No, and something, you know, does wonderfully come out of it, but we're not going to say, are we? Well, that would be the end of the story. It would be, yeah, we're not (laughs) going to do that. I mean, do you know who the fantasy maker is? I have... I have written a whole about five pages about the fantasy maker, but what that is, it's, it's a bunch of options, <laughs> which I have not d- chosen for sure yet, but I did originally, I was going to write, you know, 10 quick short stories and, and then the 10th book, it would be called the fantasy maker revealed or, um, but then they got to be longer, more involved and and I'm not a fast writer. I can't just whip them out. I'm not good at I'm not a good whipper outer. So, so um, I am going to end when I do decide to end the series. It won't be 10 books, though. It might be five. And we'll just, it might be the fantasy maker revealed, or it could be the fantasy maker, the reunion. Well, I do want to do this no matter what I call the book and bring all of the couples together for the reunion to meet whatever company person this is. Yeah, because that's, you know, in most of the books, 
there's not only just the uh, fantasy makers, you know, vacation. There's an overriding one as well. Um, you know, towards the end of, the, of each book, everybody, there's, um, you know, cricket's got a happy ending. And some of them, when you read them, you're thinking, oh, wasn't expecting that. No, the fantasy, fantasy maker has gone one more step in most of the books, haven't they, Cricket? <laughs> good, good use of pronouns there, John. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Mm. Um, yes. She is not giving the game away, everybody. Cricket. No, the three books are, you know, making up this series have been fascinating. And I hope, everybody, that I've just given you a tantalizing tease of what these um, books are about. Now, you can read them individually because they don't follow through. They're all separate short, they're all separate stories. As I said, the only two characters throughout the books that are constant is the fantasy maker, whoever they are. And her, there's his, hers, sidekick, Martin. Well done, John. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. So you've already given us a hint here, and I think you're thinking, oh, I know what the question's going to be, so I'll answer it before you even ask, ask the question, is what's coming down the line next, both in terms for yourself, cricket, and your writing? Okay. <laughs> wow. Um, myself. Um, you mean my like professional self, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I have joined a group of authors and we're we're putting together an anthology, each writing um a story. And the name of the anthology is The New Boss. And we're all that's the, the topic. But the thing is, this is gonna be a challenge for me. <laughs> which I might enjoy. We'll see. Um, they, they want all the books in this anthology to be steamy or hotter. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> I've been doing some research. Mm. Um, so there's going to be more books in the fantasy maker series. Oh, there will be. And, and I'm, I'm trying to, I usually have about three things going on at once. And in my one folder is just ideas for what the, since I've got a seasonal thing going, you know, summer, winter, autumn, I really feel obligated to have a spring book. Um, it, it hasn't really come to me yet, but I'm, I'm jotting down notes for that. There will, there will be a fourth book. A, yes. A fourth book about spring for sure. Absolutely, for sure. I have to. I promised, so I have to do it. Who do you see as your market cricket for your books? You know, and more importantly, who would you like to see reading your books? You know, are these books written for women? Are they written for you know women and men? Um, are you writing for the older generation or the younger generation, or would you like to see a mishmash of people reading your books? Well, I, of course, I want almost everyone to read my books, but I do, and, and I look at the um, the stats, which kind of tell me who is reading the books, no matter what I hope for. And it seems to me that it is far more women are reading my books, and that, that I kind of expected that. Um, 
and I don't know there the the age group that seems to get more of my books is between um, thirty five and sixty. So I think almost anybody that likes to read is is going to enjoy and likes a little adventure, a little romance, and a little mystery kind of mixed together. Um, will like my book. So I wish I would like more mystery readers. I would like more romance readers. I would like more adventure readers, but my, my books don't really qualify to be a adventure book or a mystery book, even though they have all those elements in it. So I, I'm looking for an eclectic readers. <laughs> they're a bit of, they're a bit of a mix of uh, all three combinations, aren't they? Where can people get your books from crickets and do you think that they should read it in a particular order? I've already said that, you know, you know, they don't flow in a series, but do you think, um, I mean, I read them in this order, everybody. Okay. I read Winter's Blush. I then read Autumn's Ghost and then I read Summer Island. Uh, but read them anyway. You want to read them. Would you agree? And where can they get the books from? I would absolutely agree. The order really doesn't matter. They're, they're self-contained stories, like you like you explained very well. That the, the the common thread is is Martin, and um, the fantasy maker. Um, and this particular series, I've gone wide with. So they're they're at Amazon, they're at Barnes and Noble, they're um, Kobo and Apple. Some of my series are just are just am are just um, Amazon because they're on Kindle Unlimited. But this this series goes wide. So. Almost anybody can get it anywhere. Can they go to your webpage and get them? That is a great place because I I list um you can you can go to my webpage and then look under the tab that says books and pick out the the book or the series that you are interested in and you can read excerpts to those books. You can get um if you get right to that book page in my website, it'll 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 have the the links right there. In, in the written introduction, everybody, I have put the links into um, Cricket's webpage, and I've also put the links where you can go direct to each one of the books. And if you click the link, it does take you straight to those books and to her webpage. Have a look. And yes, you will be able to click the Amazon link, which will take you to the books. Cricket, once again, thank you so much for giving me the great, great pleasure of chatting about um, the Fantasy Maker series. I thoroughly enjoyed doing the McAllister Brothers and uh, Saving Madeline, and I've certainly enjoyed these. So thank you once again for coming on the show and giving me the great opportunity to talk to you. Cricket Roman, everybody. I'm JT Crowley. Thanks for listening, watching, wherever you are in the world. So until next time, stay safe. Thank you.